Good afternoon, folks. Welcome back to my channel. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited about the two entrepreneurs I have coming on the podcast show. I think they're going to give us insights and maybe inspire us, share their stories with us, and perhaps together we can not only learn from them, but find ways to contribute to making their lives better too. So my first guest, and you guys know, um, I've mentioned it many times, I have dyslexia, so sometimes I get names wrong. So this afternoon's guests are going to challenge me to, to say things right, but Lydia is joining us. Oh, sorry, Lydia, not Lydia, Lydia. See, I told you already to get the letters wrong. Lydia will be joining us. Uh, she runs a wonderful retreat called Surrealia. She'll say it right when she comes on in a moment. Um, she's put together an amazing summit, which I'm proud to be a part of. She'll tell us about that this afternoon. 1,000 Sons Online Wellness Summit. I think something we all need right now. She's already been bringing wellness into people's lives for quite a long time. She'll tell us how, she'll tell us why, and hopefully share with you not only her inspirational story of how she's innovating right now in this very difficult time and, and inspire you, share with you how you can perhaps also innovate and together we can feel just a little bit better. I will also um, have another guest coming on this afternoon, Chris uh, Reddy. He has a new business called Bright Leaders. Um, his pitch is Courageous Influencers Leading Extraordinary Lives. And uh, now, because I'm doing a podcast from home, my dog is moving the light. Come here, so this is the joys of lockdown life in London right now, folks. But my little dog, Bella, just moved the light. So anyway, on with the show, as they say. Don't work with animals, right? The, uh, the, the second guest, I think, will have quite a lot to say about their business and what, what they're trying to achieve. Again, I think you'll learn something from the guests coming on this afternoon. Um, plus, hopefully, we can help them with their startup, which is a big mission here at the Purposeful Project. And that's why I do this podcast show. We're here to help a million people start a business of their own. We're well on our way. We're also here to make sure that no entrepreneur feels alone doing it. So without further ado, I'd like to bring on my first guest. And we'll um, just make sure the tech works, which it does. Wonderful. Hi, Vidya, um, how are you doing? Hi, thank you, Simon. And um, yeah, thank you very much Welcome. for having me. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. Well, I've spoken to you a few times. I've been on your podcast show and we've chatted in the past about what you're doing to innovate with your business. I think it'd be really useful for my audience to perhaps just hear a little bit about you um, and, and what you're doing. Yeah, sure. Um, well, um, I opened this yoga retreat center in southern Spain in Andalusia 10 years ago now. And um, it's, a, it's a retreat center that hosts groups, mostly yoga groups. And um, we also have like hotel guests and that kind of thing. Um, so we've been uh, really successful. I used to actually have a yoga studio in Massachusetts in the States before I came here. But um, because I've been teaching uh, around the world, uh, I teach yoga teacher trainings and I've been doing that around the world for about 10 years um, in different retreat centers. So I felt like I'd just been studying what makes a good retreat center for about 10 years before I decided to open my own. And um, it was mostly because I really was searching for that perfect place and it was very elusive. And then I just had the idea, I know what makes a perfect place, so I'm gonna create it myself. And um, that's what inspired me to create the yoga retreat center um, here. 
And uh, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. It's been really amazing just to see it grow and expand. And I just have been constantly upgrading it and doing amazing things. And I even started a, a big permaculture project here to plant thousands of trees and also to educate people about permaculture. So we have a lot going on here. And um, and I was it was went amazingly well. Um, we started out by leasing the place in the beginning with the hope to be able to buy it. And we had, uh, we were able to buy it within five years of starting the business. So everything was going amazingly well, right up until last March, <laughs> where the world kind of fell apart a little bit. And of course, tourism just came to a grinding halt. And so we've experienced like nine months of no business, which has been, a huge challenge because we have a lot of overheads and um, yeah so I, I think I've just been trying to you know come up with ideas for um, raising money and for how, sort of reinventing Surya Leela at least for the time being um, and uh, a few months ago we decided to um, create a three-day online summit and the topic of the summit is how to build inner and outer resilience in a turbulent world. Because I think it's definitely the topic of the moment. And it was definitely the topic for me. And um, yeah, so I've, we've been working on this summit for the last um, two months. And I think we've had a really good response to it. We've got some really incredible content. And um, we've had an amazing team of people. None of us have ever created a summit before. So it's been a real learning experience. But um, yeah, it's going to be running the first weekend of December, the 4th to the 6th. And it's called A Thousand Suns Online. And a thousand is just written like a thousand, the number numerically, A Thousand Suns Online. Um, and that's the you know new kind of summit. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to continue with online business and probably all kinds of yoga courses and other summits and that kind of thing. But um, right now I'm really focused on the summit that we're currently creating, which you're participating in. And we had loads of great people, you know, do interviews and we've got lots of just great tools to give people to help them to navigate through these like troubled waters that we have right now. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at right now currently. So what made you um, go into doing it on your own? You're in, you're in Massachusetts, you're, you're, you're studying. What made you make that leap? Again, for a lot of my audience, they, they want to make that leap themselves, even yeah. if it was tough. You know, what, what made you make that leap? What happened? Well, um, I mean, I, I was traveling a lot. I was traveling and teaching for many years, which is probably lots of people's ideal job but i actually got a little bit tired of traveling all the time um and i was going to really beautiful locations but i i just had this feeling of um wanting to put down roots after it was about 10 years where i was mostly traveling and um i didn't i knew i didn't want to be in, in massachusetts anymore i've been running a studio there for six years i have my own studio there um and then i managed to sell my studio because i really um wanted to leave the East Coast um, 
because of the winters there, they're really extreme. And I had had enough of winters in the, on the East Coast. So I was looking for somewhere warm to live. And um, because I have the experience of working in lots of retreat centers, and also I, you know, what I, I already had a course that I was running that's already a successful course, and I could run it all over the world and definitely and get people to come. So it just occurred to me I could do this anywhere. You know, I could choose instead of having, you know, people come instead of me going to a retreat center, I could have people come to me. Um, so what gave me the courage actually to open my own retreat? It was actually a friend. We we did it together in the beginning. I had a partner, which is not. I've had a few businesses with partners and I always find it's quite challenging having a business with a partner. Um, and our partnership lasted for three years actually, but it was very, very helpful in the beginning um, to have a business partner because I'm, I'm, I've got, I'm more visionary by nature, but I'm not very good at doing spreadsheets and this kind of thing. And so I think partnering up with somebody that had more of a business head in that respect and was able to kind of crunch numbers and all of that kind of thing was super helpful for me. Um, so I, I feel like sometimes it's good having support. I've also had other businesses that I've opened on my own, but um, this was the biggest uh, project that I've ever been involved in. So it was a lot more complex and um, involved investors and that kind of thing. So I, you know, it was really good to have some moral support. And then we also had to talk to loads of people and get legal support and, you know, how to actually structure it. A business. Um, I think it's really important to, you know, just get as much. What I, what we found in the initial year of, before we opened the business was we spent like hours and hours talking to people, you know, about um, just different scenarios, different ideas for raising money, different ideas for setting up a sort of business structure for what we wanted to do. Um, and I felt like that was a really important time, not to just rush into it, but actually to really look into the whole, you know, business aspects of what we were going to do. Um, do, you recommend, do you recommend people get partners? I mean, it sounds like you're, you're saying that it's nice to have someone to talk to, but you also mentioned that it was a three-year mm. thing. What, yeah. What, 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 what's your overarching feeling about having a partner if you're looking to start a business? Well, I mean, I think it, you know, I think it can go either way. So I, I, I don't highly recommend having a partner, but I think it depends if you have, you know, for example, you know, my strength is not really in economics and in, as I said, in the business side of things. So I, I kind of felt like I needed to have somebody that knew more about that. And you could just have advisors, you know, like I don't think you necessarily need to have a partner you could just have people advising you um but uh, if it was a big project and i think just um it was very helpful just to have someone to do it with um in the beginning um i think we parted company in the end because we had different visions about where we wanted to go um but um we, we were able to part fairly amicably <laughs> but um yeah so i think maybe if there's you know if there's uh part of the business that maybe you don't feel is your strong suit i mean you either have to get advice in that area or you need to you know have a partner that knows more about that side of things so yeah. um yeah. yeah and you know it might be sorry go ahead 
No, no, I know. I, I was just going to say it's a, it's a good insight you're, you're 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 mentioning here for people. It's one of the questions we get a lot in in uh, interaction with with people that listen. Is you know how do they get the business going is one question, and then if they if they have an idea, should they get a partner? And I think you know one thing I've personally learned, and on what you're saying as well, I think is a similar thing. I had a 50-50 partnership in one of my first businesses, um, and mm. it worked for me because we were very different skill-wise, but very similar moral code-wise. And and then this, I had another partnership later that was 50-50, just assuming it was the 50-50 thing that made it work. It wasn't the 50 thing, thing that made it work. It was the fact that we had the same moral code. And you just mentioned a very important word, vision. You know, we, we had the same vision in the first partnership, but in my second partnership, we had a different vision. So the learning is not the setup of the equity, for example, but actually ensuring that you both have the same idea where you want the business to go. And I think having different skill sets to, to, to kind of agree with what you're saying, for sure. Mm. And I think, uh, or, I mean, I, I just learned some lessons from having a partnership because um, I think, you know, especially if you're friends with the person that you have, you have a partnership with, it, you, you kind of feel like, well, nothing will ever go wrong. We have this friendship and we'll be able to mm. work it out. But I think that's a dangerous, um, assumption <laughs> and I think also you have to have a very clear contract with that person you know whatever contract you make has to be very very clear and um, yeah and then you know like 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 you just picked up on I think the the vision is really really important to be, be really clear about you know what your vision is and that you really share that with the person because otherwise it's gonna create conflict you know at some point um, if you both want to go in different directions. And uh, I think, you know, in previous businesses, I've done it alone. And I think in the future, I would also do it alone. So <laughs> I'm, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it can work with a partner, but it's not always recommendable. I think that leads into a question. I, you know, I think conflict is a, is a thing we all face every day. And I, and I do feel like my, my feeling is that some of the wellness uh, elements that you put forward as philosophies within your business to tackle those sorts of issues. Are there any thoughts on how one goes about dealing with conflict? Yeah, um, I think one of the most useful tools for dealing with conflict is nonviolent communication. Have you heard of that? Um, no, it's, um, it like it yeah. is what it says in the can, but I mean, I feel like you better explain mm. it in case I just... Well, um, nonviolent communication is just a, a system of how to um, communicate with somebody, especially if you're in a situation that is a little bit charged. Um, and it, it's a, a, a communication set that was created by someone called Marshall Rosenberg. He's no longer alive, but um, it's practiced all over the world, actually. It's often used in mediation. Um, so, you know, even in political mediation, it's to, just to find a way to communicate without charge or without um, antagonizing the person you're talking to. And it's a way of communicating your needs and your feelings, but without blaming the other person or um, judging them, you know. So it's a, it's a sort of very non-confrontational non way of of uh, communicating with another person. And I found it extremely difficult, uh, extremely easy, sorry, to communicate in this way um, when I use those tools. It's not always easy to remember them, especially when you're in a heated situation. But 
that's when they're most useful really is when you um you learn how to express yourself without getting into an argument you know and that's mm. i found those tools really very helpful um in any kind of tense situation i found uh, personally I, I didn't really grasp the concept of how important wellness was as a business owner and how important that was to build wellness into your culture until I was in my 30s and I started my first business at 15. So I had a good 15 years of just thinking it was about working hard and, and making money. It took me quite a long time to realize this, this wellness piece that you, you, you have of your business. One of the things I found really useful was mindfulness and you know just mm. understanding, try to put yourself also in the, in, the, in the mind of someone else and what they're thinking, what, what their issues are. And it can be really hard when you're so adamant, perhaps you're right, for example. But um, have yeah. you, I mean, is one of the things I think is really useful. Have you seen any other techniques uh, other than what you just mentioned that are, are, are good for people maybe to look up if they're having conflict issues? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, like you said, it's like you've got to slow down in your own mind because so often we just get really, we spin out, you know, in our own mind about something. And I think uh, all of the things that, we do here like yoga and meditation and and um, I think the most important thing is really just understanding the nature of our own minds and that's a bigger topic you know it's not something you can do overnight but meditation is a great tool in uh, learning how to do that um, and you know just actually creating space in your own mind and uh, also being able to you know cultivate kind of listening and empathy with other people and you know slowing down because i think our minds can be so busy and um, in yoga we call that rajasic you know like very energetic and changing all the time and you know it's like we it's like we've drunk a few expressos or something mm -hmm. and uh, i think um what we're trying to teach people through here is just to kind of calm down to just you know be in nature which being in nature is another great tool for just like you know becoming more calm um and uh you know just relaxing more and then i think your mind is going to relax more and then you're not going to be you know like so wound up about things and uh yeah i think that's really you know how that's really why we've been such a successful business because we get so many people coming from london you know and, and like they just have such hectic lives and then they come here and they're sort of able to breathe and relax and uh, they're like whoa you know a few days here and they feel like they've been on vacation for a month you know because it's just so such a different environment you know from being in a city it is so, funny that environment thing I, I, I was living in hong kong for 20 years so uh, i now live wow. in london but when i was uh, when i when i moved from hong kong to london i felt like london was a quiet retreat uh, compared but i guess it's uh, just as you quite rightly say, I think having a change of environment can make a huge difference. But I think in the wellness space, it's it's fascinating for me to watch an entrepreneur like you innovate in a time like this, because as you've just quite rightly said, uh, wellness is so linked quite often to that environment and, and, and the beautiful environment I know that you mm. do have at your resort, but trying to create a lot of the tools that people can still use, even if they're not in that environment within your summit. It's pretty interesting yeah. and trying to break down the essence of what is wellness because as i say even when i'm sitting on an airplane the airplane uh, you know video comes up trying to make me calm it's it's not a picture of me on an airplane it's a picture of me walking around the wood 
uh, and they do the stretching that you should do while walking around or within the video, not on crapped plane that you're on, right? So how, how do you create that within an online environment? And any, um, well, how, how have we done it? Um, well, I think, um, I mean, I think it's difficult. I think what you're saying, you know, it's quite difficult to create the environment that we have here online, but we can offer the same tools that we offer here. You know, like you, what you're missing, of course, is just actually the, you know, the, the place itself, which of course is a huge um, thing. But um, I think what we've tried to do in the summit is just offer as many tools as we can to help people um, build resilience. And I think that, um, you know, it starts with our, you know, our physical body, really. But um, so it's, it, it's everything to do with the physical body, like movement, um, and then obviously movement, something you can easily bring online, nutrition, you know, like I think just uh, uh, talking to people about these things so they can start to bring them into their lives. Um, also, we're offering obviously, um, you know, some live meditations as well, and Yoga Nidra, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, um, it's a kind of uh, deep relaxation. Um, it's, it's a guided deep relaxation. And um, so we're offering loads of tools that people can do. And I think when you're, if you're laying on your mat with your eyes closed, you could be anywhere, you know, you don't, mm. you don't necessarily know. And hopefully we'll transport people you know, just through engaging them with these different practices where you have your eyes closed, actually, you know, so of course it would be preferable to be here with your eyes closed, but um, second best, uh, you can do a retreat whilst still locked down in your house. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna um, say something that perhaps makes it feel flippant when it comes to wellness, but I was thinking just send someone some incense and uh, a nice candle okay. and that, because you're absolutely right, actually. So it's a very good point, isn't it? I think sometimes you can close your eyes and you can actually be anywhere. So in mm. many respects, we're in lockdown in London right now, many places in the world are in lockdown, but a lot of that lockdown is in our own minds. You know, we, we, yeah. we can close our eyes and, and be anywhere, you know, feel the sand on our feet, if that's where we want to be, or, or frankly, play a bit of music in the background that makes you feel like you're, you're at the beach, right? So yeah. Um, it's an interesting thing to explore, isn't it? Because it is it is so traditional. The, let's call it the old world, uh, where, where you go somewhere to get that, that sensation. But I do think it's possible to create it uh, somewhat with the right guidance and the right training, which is, I think, what you're offering through your Wellness Summit. And I think people can achieve something similar. It might be different, but it could give them the same feeling of, of freeing their mind, for example. Yeah. Well, one thing I also found important, which um, we did a cyber retreat during the first lockdown in March, and um, and um, what was really beautiful about that is we really created community with the people that were coming to our classes, and we were, you know, I was doing philosophy talks and meditations, and we did a lot of yoga classes, but. Um, what was really beautiful was just that people felt really connected and we would, you know, talk with each other and some of the people that were on that cyber retreat I met for the first time on the cyber retreat and then they they came here afterwards, you know, there was a small window of time where we could have some guests and some of the guests we met online came here because they just felt so connected to us. So I think um, you can create connection to others 
um, online. Definitely, you know, there's and and one strange thing I've experienced is, um, you know, when I've been doing meditations online, is that I actually can feel the presence of the other people. Even, I mean, it's a tangible thing, and it's hard to explain, but. Um, I don't feel like I'm alone. And usually I have my eyes closed as well. But I just have this sense of all the other people that are there meditating with me. And so that's an interesting um, thing that happens. I I think that, um, I have to say, I mean, I know uh, this whole coronavirus, I mean, I'm frankly even sick of saying the word, to be honest. Mm. I mean, I I know that we're all kind of sick of it, but there, there, there are some really interesting things that are coming from it. One, one thing I've really loved about the whole situation, uh, put, putting aside all the negative from it, because I know there's a lot of negative for a lot of people, but one of the things I have liked is Brexit happened in England. Uh, you know, the news mm. was always out who was against who, and there was this mm. huge divide between people that were for Brexit and people that were against Brexit. But one thing about coronavirus is it's happening to us all. And I think it's yeah. something that in does does bring us together you know like the the difficult moment that we're all i, I for example i i i met a friend the other day who um is normally quite self-centered they're nice mm. nice person but they have centered element and, and normally go straight into telling me about themselves and and I'm, I'm not judging them that's who they are but this is one of the first times they're like simon how are you and how's your family and i think people are really taking a step back and actually Care care about other people and is it how how are things going your side? I don't. Know, it's woken people up a little bit to be a little less selfish, and be a little yeah. bit more aware of uh, you know what's happening around them. And if they're and they're doing well, it doesn't mean others are. And and how can they help? And and it's bringing yeah. out some really nice traits in people. And I, and I like the point you just made a lot about the energy that you can mm. feel sometimes, and uh, mm. tapping into that and 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 feeling that energy of of, of the goodness in people instead of the negative out there. Is, is a really good thing, I think, for people to take away from your point there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's important that people don't get so caught up in the in media and what, you know, like, I think if you spend your whole time watching about the latest updates on coronavirus, it's really bad for your state of mind, you know. So I mm. think that there is so much being offered online right now. You know, I think there's just so much out there. And, um, so much yoga, meditation, everything. So you have all the tools you need, really, to actually spend your time, um, you know, working on yourself as opposed to, you know, just getting all caught up in the whole drama that's unfolding, which is just very stressful, you know. Like, I think it has just had making you feel really stressed out. It's like my dog right now. We have to be professional, no barking. Nine years old, I think she'd know, right? I mean, right, totally I have the same problem. I have two little dogs, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and that's the other thing I personally feel. You know, a lot of people try to separate their work and their life. And I think, of course, coronavirus has been a lot of people are working from home. There is something mm. quite interesting about not separating things, isn't there? You know, I think, yeah. I, I feel like when I spoke to you probably three or four months ago, one of the things I loved about your energy was the way that you. You love what you do, and what you do is who you are, and it's not like some separate thing that you do. And 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 that's a very important piece of of uh, living a, a purposeful and enjoyable life. I think that a lot of people do overlook. But again, I think coronavirus might have given this to people because they're able to work from home, spend a bit more time mm. with their family, traveling so much in airplanes. You know, th- these are good things. 
uh, yeah. I think. Oh yeah, I think it's great for some people to be able to work at home. And for other people, maybe not so good because maybe they're used to kind of having a social life around work that's not there anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you know the point you just made about doing what you love, I think that's the most important thing. And I think maybe some, I think a lot of people are actually even thinking deeply about, am I doing the right thing? You know, like it's well, yeah. given people more time to think, um, you know, having this sort of break in their normal routine. And uh, I know I had a, a couple, of, I had a yoga teacher training here in July and um, amazingly people came to that. So um, I have people from all over and they were all people in transition, you know, like I just gave up my job, I just got fired. You know, and I was actually surprised people are interested in becoming yoga teachers because at the moment it's not really possible to teach real people. Um, mm. And yeah, it's like I, I think we're going to have to teach people how to teach online now. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, it was just an interesting. Go ahead. No, no, Sorry. go on. You say it's going to be interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying it was interesting to see how many people were actually in transition. You know, like think, changing their career or thinking about what they really wanted to do. Yeah, well, that 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 was a phenomenon I saw before coronavirus. Um, a, a lot of people, I would, I'm going to say, in their thirties, that were kind of put on the treadmill. You know, I I think on into university sort of life, and then a career after university based on their university education. And you know, they then discovered who they really were, and and for example, didn't feel that they actually liked being a lawyer. You know, and, and there's mm. plenty of people like that. And I think one thing I've seen that is another a positive, I think, from coronavirus is it's kind of realized that we're not immortal. Life is short and you should spend your days doing something you love. And I've been shocked when I started my platform. I was expecting a lot of, um, you know, I'm going to say 18, 19, 20 year olds to come to us to get help to start a business. But what's actually yeah. happened, surprisingly is a lot of people in their 40s that, you know, Almost like, can I, can I, can I still do it? Am I young enough? You know, I, mm. I, I, I was told to do in my twenties, and I just got on the treadmill in my thirties, and now I, I want to do something I actually love. You know, and and so again, um, it, it's. I, I bet you see that when people came to your retreats as well, people click off from their day to day, and then they must kind of like wake up for a minute and say, "What am I doing with my life? You know, why am I, why am I doing a job I hate?" Which is just, I think, one of the worst things you can do. Yeah, no, I've had a lot of people say that actually. <laughs> so, yeah, I always encourage people to just do what they love. I think that's the most important thing. And even if you are much poorer than you were doing something you hate, it's preferable, right? Yeah. Well, um, you're getting a lot of love online at the moment. People are liking your energy, by the way. So, uh, so thank uh, you. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring our, our, our next entrepreneur on who's going to tell us about his business. Right ideas. He's been uh, politely uh, waiting in the waiting room. So, um, hmm. Chris, welcome. Hello. Hi, How Chris. are you? How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been lovely listening to that. And and it was almost like you, you, I felt like you were you were kind of telling my story a little bit in, in in essence, and 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 the story that I'm trying to create for young young people. So it was it was it was quite a nice transition that. Well, thanks. Mm. Yeah, all unrehearsed. You know, this is live and unrehearsed. So, mm -hmm. why don't you tell tell the audience that's listening a little bit about what you're up to and uh, and your story? Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been teaching for 15 years. Um, I started as a PE teacher and was quickly promoted into a pastoral position, which is that supporting, I guess, 
the well-being of young people and that and that became um um a big passion of mine it was something that i always wanted to do uh, when i was trained to become a teacher and I, I was fortunate enough to get that position quite quickly um so essentially it's, it was supporting behavior and the well-being of young people and then as i grew um i started doing that with the older students in secondary schools in year 10 and 11 and then i moved to a sixth form similar sort of position um looking after the well-being um but more of an academic focus and then there's more of a focus around careers um and future future ambitions and things like that. And then over the last, um, I'd say five years, I got into coaching um, because I, I got into coaching because I wanted to, I knew there was another way of engaging young people with either um, their own well-being, their own academic journey um, and their own kind of habits. But I, I just didn't know how to really, really tap into these young people. So I came across coaching, started training and then, and then I've just loved it. And Part of my work now actually was was with with adults, and what I started to to realise actually when I was working with adults in education, the teachers and leaders in education, that they were presenting the same sort of challenges as the young people were presenting. So it might be confidence, it might be lack of focus, lack of direction, um, or it could be you know they're really successful but they just want a, a, the extra edge in their life. And I was kind of thinking, well, if if, if adults are getting all this coaching. And it's really taking off in the UK now. I'm, I'm like, well, what, what's happening with these young people? Because if these young people don't develop these skills, um, and I mean, as young as kind of like five and six, and they're not getting the, the support all the way up through through the education system, then naturally we're going we're gonna to churn out um, a group of adults that, again, are lost in terms of sense of their purpose, but potentially they've not got the skills and, and leadership capabilities that we need them to have as they grow into, into adult life, really. So then... Um, I guess I formally set up Bright Leaders, I guess officially, um, in October. And my intention is to move away from my full-time uh, pay position, which is a job that I really enjoy, I love it. Um, but I, I just know that this work with Bright Leaders is, I guess is truer to my heart really. And I know that I'll be able to have the kind of impact um, that, that I really wanna have with young people and the educators that are looking after the young people. Mm. Well, I think that's a really interesting insight there too, Chris. I think you, you know, you're moving away from a job you like into something you know is your calling. That that's almost a harder call in some respects than leaving a job you hate. Uh, that that mm. that quite a lot of conviction and very clear definition of what is success for you. I think so. You know, congratulations, uh, well done. So, well, tell me exactly what the business will do if if you were trying to sum it up in a sentence. Kind of what what were your what were your um, bright leaders business do i want to i kind of on a mission really to build courageous influencers um and what i mean by that is i think with the social media now we're kind of we're, we're almost trained to think that influence is having a number of followers you know thousands of followers and actually really the, the person that you need to influence is yourself um but that's hard to do you've got to have some hard make some hard decisions you've got to be brave and you've got to be really courageous to look after yourself but once you've you focused on yourself and you've looked after your you know personal leadership which is which i think is vital to the work i want to do it's then you can really start thinking about how you can have an impact on other people so it's about building communities really of, of courageous influences yeah mm. it's, it's an interesting uh, use of the word courageous because i think i always think of influencers as quite brave already you know somewhat they're putting themselves out there they're getting criticized you know i i, I you know, i've 
got quite a big following TikTok lately, and you put out information you think is helping people, and people come back and they can be pretty tough on you, you know, like, so you have to be quite courageous to be an influencer. But yeah. what I think is really fascinating about what you're saying there is the, the whole idea that you've got to find yourself, which is why I, ha I have both of you on, actually. I can see a thread between the two, although you're coming at it from completely different worlds in many respects. That finding who you are piece uh, within both of what you do, I think, is really interesting. And so how do you do it with Bright Leaders? How do, how do you make an influencer courageous? How's that going to happen, Chris? Yeah, I guess. Well, initially, I think um, for a lot of young people, when they when they think of courage, so you, you'll ask it, any young person from the age of five to, to 15, actually, you'll say, like, give me an image when you think of courage. And often they'll, they'll, they'll talk about, like, war or fighting, you know, like, fighting a dragon or something. I'm like, well, these, these, these dragons don't exist for a start. But let's, let's just imagine, actually, that courage is putting your hand up in class. Maybe it's, it's answering a question in class when you're, you're really unsure. Maybe it's actually asking for help. Maybe that's, that's courage for you. So I, I want to try and oversimplify, really, and break down what courage is. Because I think when we, 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 can, we can have a look at it from a different angle, um, we can really start to encourage people of all ages, actually, to take um, steps towards their own personal development. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's a really interesting reframing of the word courageous there. I've got a three-year-old, and, and I, I do have this conversation with him about being brave. He's got food allergies, and this morning I had to take him for some tests, and I was telling him to be brave like a lion. You know, like, I don't know why a lion is ever brave, but uh, it's interesting how we build up. That's my own, you know, subconscious training that somehow a lion is brave. And yeah. uh, it's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. Uh, Lydia, what do you think of this? What, what's your view on what? Um, yeah, it sounds like a really interesting um, idea, and um, I I love this thing. Well, first of all, you you are following what you know is really calling to you. It's your dream to do it, um, and I, in the yoga tradition, we have this thing called a spadharma, which is your calling, and and that it's really important for someone to find their spadharma or calling in life and um and and follow it and so you know i think i was just saying to simon earlier that it doesn't matter sometimes if you you know if you find your calling and you do it it's not really about making money it's about doing what you love and i think what you're speaking about is encouraging kids to actually do what they love and to actually find out what that is because actually i think that's something that's quite lacking in the school system is is you're not often really encouraged you're, you're trying they're often trying to fit you into some kind of slot or and or maybe your parents have an idea of what they think you should do and this kind of thing and i think that this kind of encouragement for kids and, and starting um with kids at a younger age where they can start to really explore what it means to actually know what because you, you i think as a kid you often don't even know what it is that you love so I, I think um, it sounds like an admirable, um, you know, thing that you're going to do. But um, I was also wondering, how are you going to do it? Is it is it um, like some kind of academy that's like extracurricular to schoolwork, or how is it going to actually function? Yeah. So um, it, that's a really good question because the, the cr coronavirus has actually presented an opportunity for me, really, because I'm in a full time. Mm -hmm. I've got some good contacts that I want to work with, but they're like, Chris, I want to work with you, but you've got a full-time job. I can't have you in on Friday. So it's it's this has been able to give me kind of an online format to start 
working with schools. Um, so I've got a course running and um, with young people, but also um, um, some I've got my first gig, if you like, in a school where they'll let me in. You know, they'll let like me as a you know, in, which is amazing. Um, so the way I want it to work, and when when things die down, I want a bit. I want a building. I mean, I want a bright leaders building where young people can can come to thrive, and the parents that know that when they walk into this building, they're going to come out feeling feeling stronger, feeling better, um, and, and wanting to do more in their lives. And what we will do then in the building is given the tools, tips, and techniques to kind of run with what what they love really. Um, but currently, yeah, I'm doing online coaching, trying to get the message out, and and doing some online workshops. That's great. So it's a kind of self-empowerment to kids too. Oh, absolutely. And what's really interesting is, and this is a really interesting activity to do with adults as well, you'll say, write down a list of all the things you're great at. Write down a list of all the things that you're not great at. And you, the list of the things that they're not great at is always, always going to be always going to be longer I think with, with the majority of people and what we need to do is we need to shift the focus and I think in education what we do a lot of is and you understand it to some extent because it's exam driven you're like well what can you do to do better you've got this grade now what where can we move to this grade but actually let's flip it a little bit and let's get these young people knowing and owning the, the strengths that they've gotten and that's part of the the work that I'll be doing is is when you know and own your strengths and you and you feel empowered to take action based on owning your strengths then you can be really unstoppable so and i think it's getting into the kids young so whilst there's a need for this with even like university age age students and i know there's a need for this with adults but we can start young and i've got two kids six and six and two um and when my lad puts his little bright leaders top on it, it's he's like dad i'm a bright leader now right and he once said to me brilliant and he said to me he had his top on he said dad Bright leaders aren't late, and I was like, "Wow!" He just put his he just put his hoodie on, and, and he's and we're talking about things you know that we would expect, um, uh, you know, older kids to be talking about. So yeah, it's been really nice. Lydia, we, we need to get you a hoodie. You know, we we, we, we should send you the dress code. It's um, I know, and you're both wearing you know. but you didn't tell me. <laughs> no, I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you. But but I I am um, Chris. I I'm I'm kind of. Um, I'm feeling really excited about what you're doing. And maybe it's because I've got a three-year-old and I can just imagine your two-year-old saying what he just said. But but I think it's, I, I just invested in a business called Peas and Pod. And one of the things I love about the founders and what they're doing is that they're trying to bring nature to kids a bit more. I mean, there was this whole thing a, a little while ago where Jamie Oliver showed kids a fruit and they didn't know where it come from. They literally thought it come from a supermarket. I won't mention the supermarket, the kids said, but you know, they, they've lost touch with, with nature. And, and I think there is a huge, huge problem where in, in the education system where kids lose touch with, it's not about what you don't know and therefore you need to learn it, but about what you do know and how you can harness that skill. Like I was dyslexic and I am dyslexic. So at school, I was permanently being pushed into reading more which is completely the opposite to what my skill set allows me to do you know like I should have been given as I do today more creative things more inventive things but instead the school system seemed to want to fix what was broken um, mm. and actually what was broken it wasn't broken I mean I remember at school being told read this book and tomorrow you have to come in and talk about it and being so scared about it and then I learned to ask all my friends they read the book what they thought then I had 12 different opinions about the same book, whereas they all had about the book. So I could go in and give 12 different views on the same book because I hadn't read the book and I'd listened to other people's views on the book. 
So these these weaknesses people have can be their strengths. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's you know really resonating with me with what you're doing, Chris. What is the next step for you? I mean, you're clearly giving up to give up a job you like to do this, which is a big move. And um, what can me and the audience listening do do to help you? What what do you need at this time? So I think where I'm at is that I'm, I'm confident in terms of my own abilities and the programs and the feedback I'm getting, both with programs that I'm doing group stuff um, and the one-to-one -one stuff. For me, because I'm, I'm transitioning from something that is in the known um, and the known for the people around, um, the unknown for me is like um, the world of business. And I haven't got yet the business skills in terms of um, uh, business planning, forecasting things for the future cash flow is something now i'm starting to think about um accessing funding and then i guess it's how to scale what i'm doing and how to market it and build in strategies around that and and i'm i'm well connected within the world of education but what i need to to get really is a, a level of connection um with people who understand business and who can give me a different layer of, of advice really yeah, well, uh, if you were listening to uh, Vidya's story earlier, I, one of the things I loved she was talking about was how, you know, she decided to do something, got, got a partner, learned how to do it, and it was really like a week-by-week -week learning curve, sometimes just by doing it. Um, Vidya, I don't know if you want to add anything there, but, you know, to advise Chris at all. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've had, I, I mean, I opened a yoga studio, and it was a big yoga studio in Massachusetts, and as I was saying, I, I really am not that good at the whole business side either. But to me, I think what can make a business work is you just have your full attention on it and you 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 know it's a good thing and you know you're going to do it. And then somehow what I found is that everything falls into place when you're really focused on what it is you want to do. And... Um, and it's the right thing for you to do. And I think it's your, I, I mean, I think I've, I've actually, you know, used my will to make things happen, you know? Like if it's what you really want to do and you're 100% behind it, then I think the right people will show up. That's been my experience also. It's just like, you know, you look around, is there somebody that could help with marketing? And, you know, you get connections. And, and uh, another thing I was going to suggest, I don't really know whether your idea is to do more online work or more in-person work, so I wasn't quite sure about that. But I know, for example, when I was teaching yoga and I had the studio, I used to do a lot of free events and get people hooked. And then um, and from there, you know, it's easy to find paying customers because people love stuff that's free. So um, I always found that was a, that was a really good way to get my studio going when I had a yoga studio. It was like offering free workshops, free days, free classes, and then getting people hooked in. So I was thinking you could do the same thing if it's live kids. You know, you you offer. I'm sure you've thought of this, but offering you know free events, and so the kids really want to come, and then you know then they need to pay for it. Yeah, no, it's really really good advice. Because one of the challenges that I'm exploring at the minute, I guess, is a lot of parents want the kids to do the stuff, but then it's how do I get the kids to you know to turn up? Um, mm. because, because it's not like um, I don't know. Football practice sounds a little bit more attractive to meeting this guy yeah. who can help you, you know, explore you, you know how to to set goals and things. So um, yeah, that's that's really some really good advice there. Well, I mean, yeah. just to say as well, Chris, a couple of things. Um, 
the marketing side is a whole category on its own. And, and depending on how you're looking to build the business, I, mean, I, I, can, I can put you in touch with some people that really know what they're talking about when it comes to marketing. I like to think I have a bit of knowledge, but you know, if, you, if you're going to appeal to a group of people, I had to take my son to rugby training uh, when he was two years old and he just wasn't into it. I was because I used to play rugby, so I wanted him to enjoy it, but he didn't want to go, so we didn't go. But I'm sure if you put up a you know, message, uh, become a social media influencer, you, you'd have a whole flood of people that would be interested in, in that. <laughs> course you can reframe it when you get there that it's not about playing rugby it's about catching the ball and coordination and all the things that really matter not necessarily being an influencer but one thing i'll say to you chris you know applying your own philosophy a little bit like i i don't think you don't know business i think you think you know business and i think you've been told that business is this you know difficult thing in reality it's not i mean i think what lydia just said is it's kind of right it really is just applying yourself it's and so maybe the first step is to stop saying that to yourself you know i, I absolutely listening to you i mean I, I i haven't seen your business proposal or any of that but i i feel like i'd invest in you you know you just got the energy of someone that's doing something they're meant to be doing and you're not trying to contrive a story about how you love your job and you're going to quit it to do this thing that's who you are and i think in business that sometimes gets lost in this jargon about you know do a business plan and present yourself in this certain way and this is what you're meant to do in the boardroom when in reality i think successful business people are actually authentic they just say it as it is and actually as, as lydia just said as well you know putting your hand up as you as you have done reaching out to us here and saying hey i, I would like some help people will help you especially with what you're doing i think what you're doing is really purposeful and, and i mm. think a lot of people help you so so i don't know maybe maybe stop saying that to yourself you know uh, and, and be a be a courageous business person and see yourself that way um but when, when you say you know business what do, what do you think are the next two or three steps you've got to make that you, you know you mentioned funding there i mean that's always that's always a concern but you know what 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 are the next few steps for you that you you're not quite sure about and we'll give you a bit of advice now yeah i think so for me it's it's leaving a, a comfortable when well-paid job um to, to to get into this the the, the zone of um constant constant cash flow and constant um constant work really um and i and i want to make a real commitment to this i want to start looking at you know maybe it's september get, have it being out there doing this work so i want to really get things moving um but i think the the scary thing is and this is again what i do with the clients i work with you know it's it's about working through that fear and taking steps and I, and I feel like I'm I'm part way to doing that but it's how I can go from this uh, uh, I guess comfortable job in terms of finance because I, I like my house you know um, and then how I can how I can move on and, and it's not like like you said earlier it's not necessarily about money um, but I just want to have that transition so that at least I can yeah keep the building you know yeah I, I get I, ironically this will probably go way back to like your zero to seven years in your subconscious where you know wherever your parents were going through at that time creates an insecurity in your subconscious so if you had an unstable home environment for example suddenly having a stable home for you and your kids right now will seem important to be a good father for your children but in reality what children really want is to see their parents happy mm. right, my son, we live in a nice house but he doesn't care about our house. He has no comprehension whether this is a nice house or not. He just knows this is where he lives. But in reality, you know, the fact that his parents are happy people 
is what translates into a happy child, right? So, so I mean, um, not that you've said this because you haven't, but you know, you, you don't don't worry about owning a house or having anything too fancy for the kids. I think ultimately, maybe one way for you to look at it would be have a stop loss mindset. This is how I help a lot of people unplug from the matrix of existing job. Is I'm sure you've got some savings. I'm sure you've got a, a baseline amount behind you that allows you to even have this conversation with yourself. You know, just give yourself a stop loss. The good thing about what you're doing is you can always go back to a job, right? You've got that advantage. You've got a job you love. They probably love you there. I'm not sure. Maybe later they'll watch this video and give some comments. Who knows? But I'm sure they do. You know, in reality, you could take a year off and go back and probably get a job, right? So. I think that you know maybe that can help you make the leap. As far as the finances is concerned, I always warn people that when you start a business, you know, just get your costs down in your personal life as much as you can. You know, and, and and sometimes that's what worries me about mortgages because people can own a house, and if you're not careful, the house ends up owning you. I meet way too many people who own a house but have a miserable day-to-day -day life. You know, a house will not make you happy. And so, you know, make, making sure that that doesn't get in your way and don't let these things own you get your costs down. And I'm sure you're thinking about all this, but I'm just saying the basics in, in, in case it helps you psychologically just kind of make the leap. But honestly, once you start something like you're starting, the upside is so unlimited and so freeing that possessions become unimportant. You start making an impact in people's lives, which sounds like you already are with what you're doing in, in your day-to-day -day life already. But you start changing the trajectory of a six-year-old and making them courageous, just imagine what they can go and do, right? And that that means, I mean, I, I guess this kind of comes back to Buddhism, right? Like I, I would live, uh, it, I don't care where I live if I can make an impact in people's lives that have that sort of effect, right? And you have the potential to make that sort of effect. So, so you know, I, I get over the, um, uh, the the structure that you've been brought up in, and and just just break free. And and I I know myself. I mean, I I didn't, I never had a job. So I, I but my wife is always getting job offers. She now has her own business and she's always getting job offers and she's been working for herself now for 10 years. She'd never go working for someone else now. But Lydia, I'm sure you'd agree with me. You know, you, you, there's no way yeah. you'd work for someone else now, right? No. <laughs> right. No, definitely See, not. You never meet anyone. I mean, if you've had more than two years out, you can never go back in and there's a reason for it, right? So just keep that in mind from people that have come out the other end. If you can get through two years, you'll never want to work for someone else again. And it doesn't matter how good the job is, because you won't be in charge of, of what happens in your day to day and you won't be in charge of the vision and mission of the business. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what's going to make you happy. And that's what's going to make your children happy because you're happy. And they're going to be inspired by you as it sounds like your two year old already is. Yeah, thank you. You're right. A lot of these, I guess, values around money do come from. I guess from from parents and we, me and my wife have talked a lot about this and actually understanding that mindset and where it comes from. You know, you're dead right with that. Yeah, we've mm. sound like you've got one thing total. I think really important have the right partner in life. I mean, for me, I, I often say to people, um, I'm not successful because I'm smart. I'm successful because I married the right person. Uh, I, I have the right people. I, and if you're not married, it's not just about having the right people around you. But it sounds like you've got a wife who supports you. That is so important. They have to be. They're on this journey with you. They're taking the risk too. And and if you've got them behind you, it makes a huge huge difference. Uh, to, to, to going through the pain. In fact, I can tell you, I, I've invested in 68 companies, right, without promoting myself too much on my own channel. But uh, I, and one of the things I always do when I invest in a business is I meet the founder's partner. And I can tell you nine times out of 10, whether or not that 
is going to succeed based on their partner. I just invested in another business, and, and uh, the lady I invested in, Karen, she's just so talented. And when I met her wife, I knew she was going to make it because her wife is so behind her in the business, you know. And so I think that that partner in life is just so, so crucial. Sounds like you've got a good one. Yeah, this is like, if this is a happy house, it's great. And I think the, the, the reason why I've not moved at the Bright Leaders thing faster than I, I, I guess, wanted to is because life's good, you know. Um, I, I just I just think and I believe that it could be better and I can have more of an impact doing what we're doing, yeah, yeah. Any any, uh, any comments on on uh, the you, you mentioned partners earlier, Vivia? So I know you you know finding a partner in business is also an interesting process. Oh yeah, I actually don't have a, a partner. I have two dogs. <laughs> but, That's um, yeah, I mean here we kind of live in community as well because a lot of the people that work here live here. So I I think having emotional support is really important um and having people around that you know for whatever you're doing and um i feel like i've always had loads of support and friends that have really you know helped in so many ways so um i i think you're totally right like just having that um you know just feeling support from other people is vitally important even if you don't have a business partner but just having others support and encouragement i think it's super super important to be successful You've got to surround yourself with people that, a bit like you're saying about your whole philosophy of your business, Chris, right? You've got to surround yourself with people that see the positive in the opportunity, not the negative, right? I think it's, it's, it's just, and I know, I know um, parents is a difficult one. I, I, I've had a big falling out with my mum, uh, and, and for 30 years, we, we, we hardly talk. I've come to terms with it because she's different to me. And I don't want to say she's right or wrong, or I'm right or wrong. You know, we both have our part to play in our reasons we don't get on. But I've just come to accept that just because she's my mother, it doesn't mean to say I have to like her. I'm sure she says the same about me, you know. But I think sometimes realizing that as well, right? Realizing that, that some people in your life uh, can be there for you and, and, some, and will get you and understand that risk is part of life. And other people have been brought up differently. You know, so it's um but anyway i think it sounds like you've got a good partner there what does your your partner do i'm sure she's listening right now would you give us some kudos actually she's uh she's just kids have got that from school so she oh. was a hr manager so i can hear the tea time uh going on in the background um so was a hr manager and 18 months ago she went self-employed which was like a massive decision i was so proud of her um and she's a foot health practitioner so she's mobile and she goes doing like predatory work with people locally she loves it she, she knows the journey you're about to go on then so that that's awesome yeah well before we leave is there anything else um any questions we have before we we uh we end today's podcast no it's just been lovely to talk things things through yeah um and and it helps obviously me visualize things talking about what i do is is it's great isn't it talking about what you do um so it's, it's thanks for just giving me the space and if you do have any if you do know anybody that can that can support me or you can connect with people then i'd, I'd be more than welcome to, to to have some support yeah that'd be amazing yeah well let's that, um, let's definitely talk offline and uh, what lydia's just said as well again i agree with everything she says community is so important that that's why we're here we're here to help people like you succeed and uh, all we all we ask at my platform is that once you're a big success, is that you do the same. So uh, so that that's all that's all we need you to promise to do. Once you once you've made it, you help other people. Other people get there. But let, yeah. let's definitely talk offline about the the detail and see what else we can do. But you have a community here that will help you. So uh, excited to see what you achieve. And uh, yeah, well done. 
Thank you very good much. Luck. Good luck, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. I'll make a good go of it. Cheers. See you. Lydia, thank you as well for joining today. Thanks for sharing your story. I'm uh, yeah, excited about you. your event in December. Um, I put the link down below in the broadcast for anyone listening that wants to find out. Can we still can we still get tickets? Can people still sign up? Oh yeah, absolutely. We still have early bird tickets. So yeah, oh, please go to the website and check it out. We've got loads of great people on the show on the um, yeah. summit. So it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah wonderful. Look, look forward to it. I'll be there, and I'm um, looking forward to uh, having uh, some wellness experiences so that that should be awesome again thanks for coming on great to see you yeah, today and you so uh, much. very soon i'm sure yeah hopefully see you Bye. there we go guys that's our podcast for today i hope you found my guests in interesting their insights useful their stories inspiring if you did do me a favor their links are down below go onto their social media and give them a like it doesn't cost anything they'd really appreciate it if you have any questions for the guests or me, feel free to comment in today's broadcast on any of the 20 channels or so that we're broadcasting on today. If you need anything from us here at The Purposeful Project, please feel free to reach out. As I say all the time, we're here to help people start businesses and grow their businesses. Tonight at 7.30 p.m., we have a one and a half hour webinar where we will be sharing with people how to build a brand, how to grow their businesses, how to structure their companies, I have some amazing experts coming on in all of these areas. We will spend an hour and a half chatting through all of these insights into business that we've all gained as entrepreneurs and founders over the years. It's totally free. We will not be selling you anything during the broadcast. After the broadcast, it's not about us selling anything. It's about us giving you information on what and how you are going to find your purpose in life and how you're gonna build a business that you love and how you're gonna find out what you're meant to be doing with your life that's what we're here to help you achieve. And we want nothing in return, except when you're successful, you promise to do the same. So that's it, folks. Thanks very much for joining the broadcast today. And I'll see you next Wednesday for the Wednesday Live. You can also, of course, join us for the Good Luck Club podcast, which tomorrow is with, um, who have we got? James Chase. So James is the founder of Tyrrell Crisps, one of the UK's most beloved crisp brands, um, the largest privately owned crisp brand. And he is starting a new business called Chase Distillery. And he'll be telling us about his story of his family who were farmers um, making crisps and, and potatoes for other people's businesses, other people's brands. And they decided to do it for themselves and built a wonderful brand with a deep purpose. And I think you'll find his story as a second generation entrepreneur, both insightful and unique. So you can join us on the Good Luck Club podcast. Again, you can grab that on Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, and all the usual places where podcasts can be found. Again, thanks for listening today, folks, and have a wonderful afternoon.